It's a true account uh, in the Word of God of things that took place. And so we have an account here of, of Philip uh, baptizing the Ethiopian eunuch. And as we look at it this morning, and we are having a baptismal service, and, uh, and, and some of you are already worried. You're saying, man, I, I can't see. They will be moving the pulpit, all right? So you don't have to worry about that. Uh, we got that covered. But, uh, but we will be having a baptismal service. And so I want to look at this account of Philip baptizing the Ethiopian eunuch and, uh, and just give you some things that we can see out of this passage that are so evident and so clear. The Bible says here in Acts chapter number 8 and verse number 26, the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem, unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopian and eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to, his, to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard and read and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the, the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you again for the privilege and the opportunity that we have to be in your house. God, I pray that you would use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me in the next few moments. God, that you would touch hearts as only you can. And, Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. And, God, to thank you for uh, your goodness to us. And, and, God, I ask all these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this passage, 
there are a few things that I want us to know. Uh, first and foremost, in verse number 36, I want you to notice the servant uh, that Philip is. Philip is a wonderful servant as you look at this passage. And I want you to notice the Bible says there in verse 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. I love the fact that Philip here, uh, just a, a man of God that's serving the Lord, uh, and he's sensitive to the leadership of God. Uh, we're not given that this is a Sunday. We're not given that this is a day of worship, but rather just any other day that uh, Philip was going about his life, and God comes to him and says, Hey, Philip, I want you to go down. Uh, and you notice where he's going. God doesn't give him implicit directions and say, Hey, on your way, you're going to run into a eunuch, and I want you to stop and talk to him. God just says, Hey, I want you to go down towards the way of the desert. I don't know if you've ever been in a desert. Uh, I have been in deserts. And I tell you what, there is nothing there. It is nothing but dirt. My wife and I were traveling one time across uh, the desert there in Peru. And all along the coast of Peru, is it's all desert. It's dry. Matter of fact, between Peru and Chile is one of the, uh, one of the driest deserts uh, in the world. Uh, and you thought, wow, I thought that was in Africa. That's the largest, but the driest is there and that it's been so many years since it's even precipitated and it's just dry. And I remember one time we were driving and, and we were going from one point to another. I don't remember where we were traveling to. And, and uh, we decided, maybe I decided in classic rice style that we are going to take a shortcut. And, uh, and so uh, we ventured off of the Panamericana Highway uh, which is actually nothing more than a two-lane road through the desert, okay? Don't let the name fool you. And, and I said, look, we can kind of venture off this way and, and see the coast and, and cut back and see it. And I tell you what, uh, that was a bad idea. A uh, bad idea. It was all desert. There was nothing there. And uh, at some points, I, I think I almost gave myself ulcers looking for gas, thinking we're going to run out of gas and we're going to be the statistic of the people who die in the desert walking around looking for gasoline. That's what I thought. And we obviously, we made it. I mean, we're here. Um, and we had all our six kids, too. I mean, we all made it, okay? We didn't, we didn't lose anybody along the way. Uh, but, uh, uh, but I'm just saying here, God had directed Philip to go to a desert. There's nothing in a desert. Matter of fact, there's nothing driving about saying the fact, hey, I want to go to a desert. But I'm thankful that Philip was sensitive and obedient to the Spirit of God in his life. Hey, it didn't make sense probably to Philip why he would go to a desert, but he trusted God, and we see that, uh, that he had a desire uh, to be faithful and to obey God. What a great picture of obedience. Boy, if we had, uh, listen, as believers, as those who have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, we ought to be obedient to the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, He's given us a lot of commands, and we ought to obey. And it doesn't take a whole lot of sensitivity to simply obey the commands of God. We ought to be as obedient as Philip was in our lives and to the Lord Jesus Christ. We find that Philip was uh, a servant of the Lord and he had a desire to obey. And I want you to notice as well that he had a, a divine appointment that God had given him. Look in verse number 29. 
as he was going, the Bible would tell us, uh, he says there in verse 29, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Now, could you imagine being Philip? And, uh, and man, you're just, I don't know, I'm assuming Philip didn't have a chariot. He was not probably a, a, a ruler or connected with a ruler and, and therefore did not have a chariot. And so I'm imagining he's walking uh, down the road and, and sees this chariot parked off the side and, and, uh, and the Lord says, hey, hey uh, uh, Philip, I want you to go sit down in that chariot. Now, I think that would be a little bit weird. I would think that's kind of like seeing a parked car on the side of the road and walking up to it and opening the door and, uh, and getting into it and setting down. I mean, that's kind of how I think uh, maybe he knocked on the window. I don't think it had a window. And said, can I sit down? Now, I don't know how it happened, but I do know this, that Philip was very sensitive to what God had him to do. And listen, what a lesson for Christians and believers how we ought to be sensitive. Boy, how many opportunities do we pass up because we are not sensitive to God in our life throughout the week? Hey, every day we pass by people that are lost that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. They go by us, we go by them, and sometimes not even a single thought as to the people that pass us by. I'm touched by the song that um, was, it's an older song every day. They pass me by and I can see it in their eyes. Empty pe people, broken vessels, and they need a Savior. I don't remember how all the words go, but it's, that's the idea of it. Boy, people need the Lord. Sensitive. Uh, Philip was sensitive to the Lord, and I thank God for this divine appointment that God set up. But I not only want you to notice the servant this morning, and I've got several of these that I noticed, and we'll try to be quick as I want to... Uh, I don't want to, of course, abandon the Word of God, but, but we do have baptism, and I'm, I'm aware of that. But I want you to notice the servant, but I want you to notice as well the seeker. Verse 27, there is a lot that you can pull out of this Ethiopian eunuch. Look with me there in verse number 27. And he arose and went and beheld a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasures and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. This Ethiopian eunuch, we don't even have his name, to be honest with you. Uh, we don't know what his name was, but we know this. There's a few things that you can notice about this guy that was seeking the things of God. I want you to notice first and foremost that he was a powerful man. The Bible says that he was a man of great authority. Listen, a lot of people think, hey, if I get great power, boy, my life will be fulfilled. Can I tell you a secret this morning? Power will not fulfill your life. If you have an emptiness in your life, getting power and arising to a position of authority will still leave you empty on the inside. 
This Ethiopian eunuch, he was a powerful man. He was underneath the, the queen of Candace there, and he was in charge of all of her treasures. And you think, boy, that's a job of authority. That is a powerful position. That is a position of great responsibility. Certainly, no doubt, he had soldiers underneath of them, and they had to answer to him. And he'd say, hey, you guard this stuff, and you make sure nobody comes in here. And he was in charge of that. He was a man of great power. Power, but power will still leave you empty on the inside. Not only was he powerful, but I want you to notice he was a very prominent man. He was in charge of all of, his, all of her treasure. Uh, can I let you know, if, if you are in charge of a great amount of treasure, you probably are not a pauper. You're probably a pretty prominent person. You probably have great wealth. Oh, the amount of people and the philosophy of the world that is, man, if you could just fill your bank account with a million dollars and if you could just have enough to, uh, to set aside and make your life easy and coast through the rest of your life without any worries of financial cares and financial burdens, then you'd be all set and your life would be all fulfilled as you would want. Can I tell you the amount of people that have arrived to a million dollars and passed the million dollar mark and they're empty on the inside and they don't have that, uh, they've still got that emptiness in them because it does not satisfy. They arrive at a million and they've got to have a billion. They arrive here and they've got to have more and they're never satisfied with what they have. Why is that? Because I'm telling you this and it's very clear from scripture and from the Ethiopian eunuch's life that even though he had power, he was a powerful man of authority and even though he had prominence and there was a lot of possessions that were underneath of him and that he was responsible for and I'm sure his paycheck was, was pretty fat. He was pretty wealthy. He was still not fulfilled in his life. How do you know that? Look with me in verse number 27 there. At the last part of it, the Bible says, who had charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Verse 28, was returning and setting in his chariot, read Esaias, the prophet. Not only was he a powerful man and a prominent man, he was a pondering man. You look at the thing of this, notice this, that he traveled, the Bible says he was an Ethiopian eunuch, and I'm assuming that the, uh, the kingdom of, of uh, Candace was there in Ethiopia, and, and that, man, if it was, you know how far he traveled? 2,000 miles was the distance. He said, that's quite a distance. It is, especially if you're driving a car at 65, 70 miles an hour on a four-lane highway, which he wasn't. He didn't climb in an airplane and fly that distance either. He traveled that distance in a chariot drawn by a horse. Could you imagine how long of a trip that would have been? Now Jerusalem has been for thousands of years has been a, a, a large religious epicenter of the world that many people desire to travel all the way to Jerusalem to view it. Why? Because it has such historical reference all the way back to the Old Testament. It has been a religious center for the world. Now listen, weren't there gods in Ethiopia that the eunuch could have worshipped? Yes, there were. But listen, they didn't satisfy him. 
hey, there wasn't enough information there. That he would take and travel all of this great distance to arrive to Jerusalem in search of something in his life that he was lacking. Oh, he had prominence. Oh, he had power. Oh, he probably had religion and had several religions that he had tried, but none of them panned out, none of them worked, and he was still searching for something. And he'd come all the way to Jerusalem, the Bible says, to worship. Maybe I'll find it in Jerusalem. As he would go all that distance and arrive there. And when he left, I want you to notice he was still empty. And here he is sitting in his chariot. And he has a scroll. Oh, you think about that for a minute. They didn't have photocopiers. They didn't have printers. They didn't have paper like we have. They didn't have all of the things that we have. Matter of fact, that scroll that he had would have had to have been handwritten, painstakingly copied out. I don't know if you've ever written down and copied stuff. Uh, I tend to tend towards perfection when I, I write stuff, and, and I'll write stuff out, and when I make a mistake, uh, I, I can't stand to cross it out. It drives me crazy. I have to start over. You say, white out, brother, white out. You got that white splotch on the paper. The men that would copy these scrolls, they would painstakingly write it out, word for word, and they were meticulous about copying it out. And I could imagine that it would have cost a great deal of money for this Ethiopian eunuch to have purchased one. But here he had one. And he was sitting there in his chariot and he was trying to make sense of it say man i i want to know i want to know the truth listen you can go no greater place than the word of god he was right on track oh he had gone to jerusalem he knew the epicenter he knew the right place to go and then he got a copy of the scroll and, and, and by the grace of God when he was reading through it and, and, and according uh, to the scriptural account that Philip come by, boy, he was reading right around these Isaiah chapter number 53 and, and, and reading about the prophecy of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ which had just taken place in Jerusalem not too long ago, not too, many, uh, not too much time before this and, and he was reading all about that and, and God had just at the right time sent Philip by to witness to him. Listen, it was no accident that Philip was sensitive to the Lord, that the eunuch was seeking the, uh, the truth and the scripture uh, that had been given here. And look at verse number 31. The Bible says, and he said, how can I, as, as Philip approaches him and hears him reading, go back to verse 30, and Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, and said, understandest thou what thou readest? And he said in verse number 31, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Boy, what an exciting piece of Scripture. 
Hey, listen, here's this lost man. He's reading through the Scripture, and he's trying to make sense of it. He's traveled all the way from Ethiopia on on this chariot and arrived here in Jerusalem, and he's bought himself one of these uh, scrolls, and and he's sitting down in his chariot, and he's reading, and he's trying to figure out what does all of this mean, and it was so exciting to him. And just in the time that God sent Philip by uh, and said, Hey, Philip, you go up to that chariot, and I want you to talk to that fella. And so Philip goes up and he hears him reading and he's reading out of Isaiah. Boy, what a great passage to start on. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? The Ethiopian eunuch replies, a very educated man, a very powerful man, a very prominent man. How can I except some man should guide me? Oh, listen. Hey, Christian, may that speak to our hearts about our need to tell others about Jesus Christ. Oh, you should give them a gospel track. I encourage you to carry gospel tracks. Give them out where you go. But listen, take time to stop and talk to people and listen to them and say, hey, do you understand what those verses mean? Do you understand what, that, what that's saying? Can I tell you something that the Bible tells us that the lost man doesn't understand the Word of God. They are spiritual words and they are spiritually discerned. And the Holy Spirit that dwells within us gives us the inst- the understanding of the Word of God. And we have got to take our time and stop and guide other people in the Word of God. Hey, listen, Philip, he was a personal guide and he stopped and he guided this Ethiopian eunuch through the Word of God. And we find that he taught him of salvation. The place that they read, as I've referenced several times, was Isaiah chapter 53. And look with me in verse number 35. I love this. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same Scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Oh, listen, the Scriptures... You open them up all over the Word of God and it speaks of Jesus in Isaiah in the Old Testament, in Psalms in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, even in our lesson in in adult Sunday school class in 1 Kings. Hey, we see that Jesus Christ is there in the Old Testament. We read about His birth in the New Testament. We read about His perfect sinless life throughout the four Gospels. We find that He died on the cross of Calvary. And we say, why on earth would such a man do such a thing? just as they sang about, hey, why would God uh, shed His blood and die on the cross for a doubter like Thomas? Why would He die on the cross and shed His blood for Barabbas, a man that was guilty of crimes and should have died for them, but He didn't? Why would Jesus take and die for somebody, Peter, who would take and turn around and deny Him at the very time He was being crucified? And I'll tell you what, The love of God is so great, so immense, so broad. And I'll be honest with you, none of us are deserving of His love. We can't earn His love in and of ourselves. You do all the good works you want. You think that, well, uh, you can be the best person. Listen, you can live the best life that you want, and the Bible is very clear, you won't get to heaven because of your good works. It's not possible. We find that Philip preached unto him Jesus. I'm glad Philip preached unto him Jesus. Oh, how we need to point people 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 37. I love this. We see not only uh, the servant, Philip, we see the seeker, the Ethiopian eunuch. We see the scriptures being proclaimed in verse number 30 through 35. And I want you to see salvation in verse number 37. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And, and he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What a wonderful statement. This Ethiopian eunuch had been seeking. He wanted to know. Uh, uh, he had this void in his life that he couldn't fill with, uh, with, the, with the wealth. He couldn't fill with the power that he had obtained in his life. And he couldn't fill with the religious things that he had found. But only Jesus Christ could fill this void in this Ethiopian eunuch's life. And listen, as Peter or as Philip appointed this Ethiopian eunuch to Jesus Christ through the Scriptures, this Ethiopian eunuch put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I want you to notice as you look at this, uh, Peter asks him this question in verse number 7. He says, And if thou believest with all thine heart... Listen, I want to tell you this morning that it is a personal belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't say... Hey, does your queen believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? He didn't say, does your boss believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? He didn't say, do your parents believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? He didn't say, do your friends believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do your co-workers believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Does your church believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? This was a personal decision that, the, that Philip questioned the Ethiopian eunuch, do, uh, believest thou? Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he said? He affirmed it. He said, I do. And he gives him the answer there that is so well. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What an incredible belief that he would trust him. It was a personal belief. Hey, listen, the Bible is very clear. The Bible says in Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Way back in the Garden of Eden, God placed Adam there and Eve there. I have to come all the way over here on this side of the baptismal. And he said, hey, you take care of all the trees. You can eat of all the trees except for this one. Don't eat of the fruit of it. You know what happened. Satan come by in the form of a serpent. I find that fascinating, that, that serpent talked. And that, that Eve didn't even think that was strange. And there was no fear of the animals at that time. I mean, you have to put out of your mind the, the fact that, hey, we're scared of snakes and we're scared of spiders. They had no fear of all, any of the animals. They, they were dominant over all of them. They were in charge of them, and there was no death. There was no devouring one or the other. It was a, it was a perfect piece of, a place of peace. But here, the devil comes, and he tempts Eve. And Eve eats of the fruit that God said, do not eat of that. And she knew she was deceived, the Bible says. But then Adam comes along, and she says, here, I've eaten of this fruit, and she gives it to him, and the Bible says that he willingly takes and eats of that fruit. 
You say, well, eating a fruit, is it really that bad? It was disobedience to the word of God. God had said, do not eat of this tree. And they ate of that tree. That's disobedience. That is sin. They had to understand, they understood immediately the consequences. The Bible says that uh, they were automatically recognized that, hey, they were sinners and, and that things were not right. And when God came to walk with them in the garden, the Bible says they hid themselves because they knew they were not right with God. They knew they had sinned against God. And the Bible tells us there in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 that because of that sin, that sin was passed on to all men, not only just that sin, but also the consequence of that sin of death. And from that time until now, man is born and man dies. Man is born and man dies. It is, the Bible is very clear. You go back and read, men die throughout the, the beginning of time. Up until now, people still die. It's part of the consequence of sin. But it gets worse than that because there is a judgment for our sin. And the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, what we earn, we have to understand that we are sinners. It is a personal sin and that you and I have, have transgressed and sinned against God's law. And because of that sin, there is a personal judgment that God will instow upon us, a personal punishment. And the Bible talks about the sin of... Uh, the. The wages of sin is death. And in the book of Revelation it says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death that it's talking about. That is a punishment. That is a result of our sin. Hey, but listen, there's personal repentance. Let me just explain, what is repentance? Repentance is not cleaning up your life. You cannot clean up your life. It is not within you. It is not possible to make your life perfect. Repentance is simply this, recognition of sin. In other words, realizing, whoa, I have sinned against God in my life. I have told a lie. I have uh, broken God's commandment. I have stolen or I have taken the Lord God's name in vain or I have uh, thought perverse thoughts or uh, things like that. I have sinned. Recognizing that sin in our life turning from that sin and saying, Lord, save me. That's not cleaning it up because you don't have the capacity. Some people, if Jesus is over there, some people want salvation like this. But they're not bothering to, they're, 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 not, they're, not, they're not interested in abandoning their sin. They still want to continue in their sin. They, they, they know that there's a punishment. They know there's a judgment. But man, they are headed headlong for that sin. And they just want to grab Jesus by the cuff of the neck and drag him along with them into their sin, into their wicked lifestyle, into the way they live. And that's not salvation. Hey, listen, turning from it, recognizing this path is a path of destruction and I need to turn to it. And the only hope is to turn and face Jesus Christ. Christ and listen he'll reach out to you and grab you and he'll start to draw you this way hey and you're no longer headed for that sin life and your life will change that's not saying that you'll be perfect oh you'll mess up you'll make mistakes hey but listen you'll never never be comfortable doing that sin will always bother you 
because the Holy Spirit of God dwells within you. And, and Jesus said it this way in the New Testament. He said, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. It's a personal repentance. It's a personal punishment. It's a personal recognition of our sin. And then it's a personal belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 3, 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life. But listen to this, but the wrath of God abideth on him. That is not where I want to be, and that's not where I want you to be, my friend. That the wrath of God would abide upon you, let me tell you something, that is not where you want to be either. Hey, the only hope is to turn and put your faith in Jesus Christ and say, God, I need to be saved. I want you to notice in verse 37, all of that is salvation. That precedes baptism. Amen. Baptism is not part of your salvation. It is an expression that you are saved, saying, hey, I want to obey the Lord. I want to follow the Lord in baptism. You get dunked in this tank. I heard an old preacher say one time, if, 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 if this water could wash away your sins, we would drain this tank. It'd go down the drain. They would process it, put it out. The cow would drink the water. And then you, they, the farmer would go out and milk the cow. And you'd drink the milk and you'd get your sin back. This water's not washing your sins away. It can't. Only Jesus Christ can wash your sins away. He's the only one. He's the only way. So salvation precedes baptism. It's not part of it. Look with me in verse number 39, and I want you to notice this, and we're done. I love this. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. I love this phrase, that the eunuch saw him no more. Not that phrase, the next phrase. And he went on his way rejoicing. Can I tell you something? When you obey the Lord, in salvation and baptism and just obeying the Lord, there is a joy that floods your soul like you've never felt before. This Ethiopian eunuch, oh, he had power. He had wealth. He had prominence. I'm sure he had plenty of pleasures in his life. But all of those left him seeking to travel some 2,000 miles up to Jerusalem to buy a very expensive scroll it was the Word of God, only to have a, a common, everyday Christian come by and say, you know what? That's Jesus Christ that that's talking about. And He died on the cross because He loves you. And He wants to save you. And if you'll put your faith and trust in Him today, He will save you. And you'll go away a changed person. This Ethiopian eunuch left rejoicing praising the Lord because he had found salvation that day through simple obedience. As every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet this morning. Simple obedience. Those that are going to be baptized are heading for the doors, but listen, as they're heading out to change and get ready, what about your life?
Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you trusted in Him today? Father, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can. Help them to see their need for salvation. Oh God, it's a personal decision. It's not something that we can make for anybody else. Every person must decide for themselves. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. Well, thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and the piano begins to play, maybe you're here this morning and God's spoken to your heart and you say, Preacher, I, I know that I need to be saved. I want to be saved this morning. Just by a show of hand, just raise your hand. Say, Pastor, I, I, I know I'm not saved, but I would like to be saved. Just raise your hand, slip it down this morning. Nobody else is looking around. I'm the only one. There be anyone like that this morning say, I'm not saved, but I want to be. I'd like to encourage you this morning. If you're here and you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't want to embarrass you. We want to help you. I'd encourage you to get it nailed down. We're talking about all of eternity. that you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. If after the service you say, well, I'm not for sure, come talk to me. I'd be more than willing to help. Talk to, to the men and women of our church and they'll be more than willing to sit down and, and help you. And, and maybe if they can't, they'll, they'll point you to somebody that can show you how you can know for sure where you'll spend eternity. Christian, as we look at the life of Philip, servant, sensitive to the Lord, following the leadership of God in his life, witnessing. How about that? He just goes up to this chariot and just follows the Lord. Oh, how we need to be sensitive. We need to be witnessing.